Well, it is so good to be together this morning uh, online and in the room as we continue exchange rate. I want to start this morning with a math problem and a question. All right, here's the math problem. All right, you have, or let's use Jaden, right, so that this will all make sense later. Jaden has a dollar bill, a quarter, and two pennies. How much money does Jaden have? You know, you're getting ahead of me. All right, it's, if you said a dollar twenty-seven, that's not exactly correct. We'll come back to that in a little bit. I love it that you knew that. Um, that's the that's the math problem. Here's the here's the question. We're gonna go with the raise of hands. We don't usually do this. We're low key, but just this is okay. If this is true of you, raise your hand if you like. If you have a desire to get rich, let me see it. Desire to get rich. Some bold. Some bold people with hands, some liars in the room. Just kidding, I'm kidding. Online, you know we expect you to raise your hand. Nobody can see you, but we want you to participate. Raise your hand if you want to get rich. If, if you Google that, which I did this week, I want to get rich. Man, there is no shortage of articles and top 10 things that rich people do and poor people don't and top things wrong that poor people do. It's the reason you're not rich and top 10 ways to get rich by this age. And this is how much you need to retire today and all this. There's all kinds of help and positive and wisdom on how you can get rich. And here we are, 2021, August 8th. And I ask a question at Relentless Church, my people, and there was no shortage of honest people that was like, yes, that's an easy one, pastor. I want, I'm not mad if God wants to make me rich. But when we look at scripture, which is God's revelation to us, he speaks all kinds of ways. Sometimes you kind of think, man, make up your mind. Where are you? And we'll get into more of that next week. But when you look into it, specifically, we're going to look here in a second. What Paul said to Timothy, he's talking about being grateful and like being able to make it when you're rolling and when you're not rolling. And here, let me use his words, not mine. First Timothy six, he says, godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. Some of you didn't know that was from the Bible, right? But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Let's stop there. Is that true? All right, you don't have to raise your hand on that one. This is saying, hey, if we have clothes on our back and food to eat, like I can be content with that, right? Is that true of you? Is that true of me? That's a tough one. And then he says this, check this out. Next verse, verse nine. But those who desire to be rich, oh, that was a bait, I trapped you. That was entrapment, right? Those who desire to be rich, for the record, my hand was up, not to show you, like sometimes teachers will say, raise your hand if, I wasn't doing raise your hand if. I was raising my hand and answering my own question. I desire to be rich. There, I said it. Those who desire to be rich, like your pastor, fall into temptation, into a snare. A snare is like a trap for an animal. Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For money is a root of all, no, that's not what it says. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Man, there's a whole series just in that text that if we desire to be rich, 
that opens us up for a temptation. And the temptation is, now temptation doesn't mean sin. It's the temptation to sin. When we chase richness, we're bringing in extra temptation to our hearts and lives. What is that extra temptation? It is a temptation, senseless, harmful desires that ultimately can lead to ruin and destruction. This craving that is rooted in not money, but the love of money. Man, I've seen this in so many ways. So have you. I worked at a funeral home for three years and there were so many families that were all tore up for all kinds of different reasons, but often it was money. We had one, uh, we had to get signatures and all the you know, paperwork when we do a burial or cremation or whatever. And it was this family and they were like, uh, the sister was saying, yeah, you're not gonna get them in the same room. The brothers, their dad had died, the two brothers. Like, so we had to, I had to, as part of my job in those early days, I had to get the signature. So I had to drive to dude's house and then drive to his brother's house. They wouldn't come to the funeral home. They wouldn't be in the same room together. And you say, well, how'd they do the funeral? They didn't, there was no funeral. We're not, what do we have to do to get through this? So I asked the sister once I got to know her a little bit, like what in the world? Like well, they can't be in the same room to sign papers when their dad just died. And she didn't give me the whole, she just said, it's 12 years. 12 years they have not spoken, they will not speak, they won't be in the room. Somebody owed somebody and didn't pay something and they're just done with each other, right? That's not crazy abnormal stuff. Money comes between people, it divides people with the, the, the chase for it and it gets so sticky in families and churches and friendships. And that's not too far from a conversation we're gonna look at today Whereas a dude in scripture, he's unnamed, like he had a name, we just don't know what it is, but he comes up to Jesus and he, and he asks the questions which starts a teaching from Jesus that is just huge for today and us and relentless and the church and your future on this planet. Here's how it starts in Luke 12 verse 13. Someone, that's our unnamed dude. He didn't get a name in the Bible. He wasn't, he didn't get that. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Right? It's not like today where you can just lawyer up and get, like you got to get somebody to take your case. Somebody in the crowd had had a deceased parent and they had money coming to them, but the brother who had the money wasn't dividing it or wasn't dividing it equally or well or fair or something. So he's showing up to church. Jesus is, it wasn't a stage like this. He's on a mountainside or somewhere. He's doing his thing, he's teaching. This dude interrupts, hey, Jesus, if you're this rabbi, if you're the man, I got a problem. My brother won't give me my, my money. Like, come on, Jesus, that ain't right. Here's Jesus' response, verse 14. He said to him, man, he said it just like that too. Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? I'm not, the, I'm not in charge of your finances. I'm not in charge of your family squabble. That's a, I'm here for much deeper, bigger purposes. Like we talk about money. We talk about exchange rate. We talk about language. Every message is about the gospel. We're about a Jesus who came to this planet for one reason, to hang on a cross, to receive your sin, to free you, to have a life of love, freedom, purpose, grace. That's why he's here. I'm heading to a cross. I'm going to defeat death so you don't have to be scared to die, so you can be with me forever. That's why I'm here. And you're coming to me about your brother. I'm not here for that. Next verse. He said to them, crazy verse right here. Jesus said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. It's the hardest word for me to say. Covetousness. It means, you know, wanting stuff that other people have. For one's life does not consist in the abundance 
of his possessions. Life is not about what you got or what you want to get, right? We believe that. I believe that with my mouth. I believe that with my mind, and sometimes I believe that with my heart. But man, I can stand up here and preach. Life is not about your possessions until I see you with a possession that I wish I possessed. And then I get a little something in my heart. Maybe I'm the only one. We were doing a wedding. I don't know if they're here today. A a couple uh, asked us, Kelly and I went down, and they were doing like a beach, a wedding at a beach house in Wilmington, which like, hey, okay, I'm there for that. So so it's this amazing house uh, close to the beach, um, and I I get to talking to the owner of the house, and we got some common um, likes and stock market, and I can talk stock market all day, so we're talking. So he's like, hey, let me give you a tour of the house. Okay. Right? So I'm touring this amazing house, and it's cool, and I could tell you all about it, but there's one thing that you got to know. We went to his bedroom, which just met the guy. I'm in his bedroom, but okay. He's showing me the house, and uh, he kicks himself up on the bed, and he said, you got to watch this, and he hits this button, and out of the ceiling drops a TV. <laughs> yeah. And at that moment, I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Right, he's, got, he's, he's in his bedroom, he's got a TV out of the ceiling, in the distance is the ocean, like what, like that, I, this, like God just gave me a little taste of heaven. That's what heaven is like, right? Your TV comes out, no, it's not how heaven is. But in that moment, I'm conflicted because part of me is like, dude, this is so cool. And then a part of me, I didn't mean to think it, a part of me was like, I wish I had a TV came out. I got a cool TV, but it's, it's on the wall. Kind of, kind of boring and plain and average and middle class. We um, had an anniversary just a couple weeks ago. We celebrated our, our Kobe anniversary, our 24th year of marriage, and, and we are big into that. Yeah, that's a big deal for us. Um, nothing, nothing has taught me uh, God's realness and love uh, like our marriage and our story and all that. So, so we are learning each, you know, to celebrate big. And that doesn't mean spending money um, a lot of times. But I'd heard about this place. If you're a Raleigh person, this is nothing new to you. But I'd never been to this Sullivan's. You heard of this Sullivan's radio, commercials. It's downtown. It's like, it's like the kind of place where they charge double for a steak because, hey, we're like that, right? So that's what it was. So we'd never been there, but it's like, hey, 24 years, she's worth it. Right? All right, so, so we went in there, and uh, the steak was amazing. It's like this crusted, I don't want to tell you, it's, that's mean at 10.54 a.m., but, but we're, we're eating, and we're enjoying, and it's such a blessing, and, and we're able to, at this stage of life, we're able to, you know, to do that and enjoy it, and there's a, there's a family over here that's celebrating a birthday, and there's a, a family over here celebrating some family occasion, and then I started to notice several tables, and I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm totally assuming things. But I started noticing some tables, and it looked like they were just eating. Like, they go to Sullivan's. It looked like they're like, hey, where do you want to eat tonight? Sullivan's? Yeah, why not? We go there, cook out. No, let's go. Let's hit Sullivan's. <laughs> it looked like there was several people there that didn't have an occasion that didn't have a reason. There's people, not in Vegas or New York or LA, there's people in Raleigh that just say, hey, you want to go to Sullivan's? Sure. 
And I thought, oh, I hate to tell you this. You know, this is, I'm just, I thought, must be nice. Must be nice to be you. Right? And then I started talking myself out of that. And then I started judging them like, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even mean anything. Like you eat that every day, like that gets, gets old. Like you don't have nothing. Like I, I'm so, I feel sorry for you. You don't even know what good for you. You probably don't go to Chick-fil-A. You don't know what fine dining really is. All this stuff in my head is like, there's a, there's, that's the kind of stuff they do, right? They, that's, a, that's chocolate gold writing, happy anniversary. They write that in a chocolate gold. Do you know that? I made that up. That's just normal chocolate, but... That was what they put on our dessert plate. It was a beautiful night, but I found myself having thoughts I didn't want to have. Coming back to Jesus saying, listen, take care. Be on guard. He's using this language. We use that language to Timothy. Hey, it's a trap. And Jesus saying, hey, be on guard because life is not going to be about how much you have. And why did he say that? He said that because somebody was trying to get him to solve a problem between, about money between him and a, and a brother. And here's... The truth is there's a problem with abundance. All right, abundance just meaning we have a lot. Doesn't mean there's a problem when you buy something nice for somebody. Doesn't mean there's a problem when you spend money however you spend it, right? That's, but there's a problem with abundance, having more than you need. And the problem with us, it's not with abundance as much as it's with us as humanity. The problem is we naturally believe a lie that when I have extra, then it must be for me, that if I have needs that are going to cost me $10 this week and I have 20, then that extra 10 must be for my pleasure and enjoyment only. And that's not true. Abundance Yes, it can bless and it can be fun and it can, like, I, I, I'm not here to judge whatever you spent money on just because you could judge what I spend money on, right? We, we so easily do that. I always joke that, you know, who, who's really rich? To me, I picked on uh, some neighbors I've had. To me, the definition of rich is when you pay somebody to mow your yard. Right, and I know you're here, and I don't. I'm not trying to make. Well, that's just me and my own little narrow world, man. When you pay, when you now, if you're sick or you know whatever, when you're an able-bodied person and you pay someone to come on your property, you know I don't like people on my property. When you pay somebody to come mow your yard when you can mow it, that's wealth right there. But somebody might come back at me and say, "How much money did you spend on tickets?" to a football game, to a basketball game that is on TV for free. You could watch the game and yet you spent money to go sit outside in the heat or you spent money to, with all these thousands of people in a basketball arena. You spent that money to see a game you could see for free at home. Now that's the definition of wealth. And now we could go all the way down the list of what, why do you spend money on that? And we're not here to judge each other. We're just here to listen to God and him saying, if you're in a position, and you may not be, where you have an abundance, our go-to is, well, it must be for me. And that's just not true. So Jesus wanted to teach that. And the way he taught it is he made up a story. It's called a parable. Verse 16, he told them, this crowd, he told them a parable. Here's how he started. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And this man, this rich man thought to himself, hey, what do I do? I got nowhere to store my crops. Right? It's a great problem to have. 
My land is producing so much that I got more crops than I can even have room for in my barns. Now, we don't have, most of you are not farmers, right? Online, most of you are not farmers. Maybe some of you are. But you can apply this. It's just the word plenty. Plentiful. Do you have plenty? And again, I want to be super sensitive because I'm talking to a crowd online and in the room that is, there are extremes on the spectrum of what you have. Some of you, I would think, might be in the worst financial struggle of your life. And I don't want this message to hit you like we're talking to everybody that's got extra because you may not. I will say, if you have food, clothing, indoor plumbing, air conditioning, that puts you in the top 10% of wealthy people in the world, right? God doesn't look at us based on our culture or nation, like it's 7 billion people. And if you have those things, from God's perspective, and he talks about rich, it includes you. And he thought to himself, hey, I got all this. What do I do? And just be honest with yourself. It's not a sin to have more than you used to have, right? We can go wrong either way, right? It's not a sin. Like, some of, do you have a nicer phone than you had a couple years ago? Do you have a nicer car than you had a couple years ago? Some of you are looking at that spouse who won't upgrade their phone, right? Do you, live, do you live in a nicer place than you lived? And, and again, we're, the answer may be no. Things have gone downhill. But if, if the answer is yes, then, then that's what the scripture would call plenty. You have plenty. Now, what if you are struggling? Right? What, what, let's go back to the math problem. I, I, this is my, um, you know, just we're in all different places. So, so let's go back to the, to the math problem we started the service with. Let's. Let's see if we can solve that through my man on the video. It's my favorite viral video of all time. Roll it. Jaden has one dollar bill, one quarter, and two pennies. How how much money how much money does he have? Jaden broke. <laughs> I just I just watched that on loop all day. How much money Jaden have? Jaden Jaden broke. And a lot of us. A lot of us have been there, right? $1.27, right? And that's not, it's only funny because it's real, right? So, so for you, right, if you're not in the, in the world of plenty, right, what, what do you think, how would you respond if God blessed? If you have more in a year from now than you have today, how, how would you respond to that Blessing. And remember, the verse we said, it's not talking to rich people when it said those who desire to get rich, that has nothing to do with how much money you have. Desire to be rich can dominate the heart and mind of someone with very little, right? That desire to get rich is what leads to the ruin and destruction. It doesn't mean you are rich, it's just a desire. So we all can kind of get on board with that together. Let's continue with what Jesus said about this man that he made up the story to help us. Verse 18, he said, the man said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. That's not a bad plan, right? My, my's producing so much stuff, I can't hold it. My barns aren't going to hold it, so I'll, I'll tear them down and build bigger ones. Like, what's wrong with that? I like growth, right? When, when stuff gets built around here, uh, like, I'm so excited to see what is it going to be, right? Is, is it a restaurant? Is it, a, is it some sort of store? You know, and I know you can go online and find all that. I like to just wait until the sign comes up and, oh, what, what are they building now, right? I like growth, right? There's two things that, that kind of disappoint me when I find out what they're building. One is when it's another mattress store, 
I don't understand how, how Wake County has the need for 4 million mattress stores. Some of y'all are buying a mattress every few months and I don't understand you and I question you and I judge you and I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. The other thing that just, I'm not mad at it, it's just like, oh, they're building is storage. You notice with the growth in Wake County, all the storage, the public storage, the little storage, the huge, some of them are enormous storage places, right? And sometimes people are moving and they need to store stuff for a little bit, but I mean, come on, somebody from a lot of other countries they would come here and they'd be like, wait a second. I see how big y'all's houses are. I see how big your apartments are. And yet you've got to pay for these other places because you got so much stuff it doesn't even fit your house. That's, that's this dude. And I got so much stuff. I got to tear down what I got and build more. Now, we have business people, business leaders in our church, men and women. Do not hear this because he's not, do not hear that God is anti-expansion. Do not hear that God is anti-growth. Do not hear that God is anti you adding a new location or adding a new employee. Do not hear, that's not what he's saying. What he's keying in on with this dude is when things went well, his first thought was to build more. His first thought was inward and I gotta build something bigger. Jesus, again, he's making this guy up in this story, and he lets us into his soul right here. Verse 19, Jesus said, this dude with the bigger, the crops, the bigger, the rich dude, he said, I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. And then he says, this dude's going to do four things for the rest of his life. Check this list out. You talk about an evil list. No, these are four awesome. Relax. Who's got some of that coming today, Sunday afternoon? Yes, sir. Eat. Don't even have to raise your hand. We got to do it to live. Drink, and he ain't talking about water in the context here. This has kind of got a party vibe, which goes with the last one. Be merry. Not the girl's name, but like have fun, go crazy. Relax, eat, drink, and party. That's the 21st century translation. Jesus made up a story about a dude whose land, right, part of it he was a good farmer maybe, but he was blessed because land was producing plentifully. What am I going to do? Man, I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build new stuff because that's how much stuff I got. And then I'm going to say to myself, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to eat, drink, relax, travel, and have fun. Correct me if I'm wrong. He just nailed American retirement, the culture that we have to work our tails off and then get to a day, <whistles> put our head back. Now again, that's not all of you, right? A lot of people use retirement beautifully, but the culture says like, that's what we're all working towards, to be that guy, I got so much, it'll last me, so now I'm just gonna eat and drink. My wife and and kids, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly how they got to this place. Probably we were reminding them that money indeed does not grow on trees. And in that, my wife asked my kids, well, how much money do you think we have? And one of my children, which will remain nameless, answered confidently, 401, 401, 401K. 
was like, she's like, why? Like, you think we got $401,000? But more than that, like, what a, what a, why do you think we have 401? And this nameless kid said, well, I've heard y'all talk about 401k, having 401k. Right, if you don't know, 401k is a name for a retirement account. That's, a, that's not a preacher's, that's a true, like that was the actual conversation. So I said, you can have a dollar in your 401k. It's not actually $401,000. But however much you have or don't have or how you're doing, if our goal is to relax, eat, drink, and be merry, we're going to be dissatisfied. Right, you're like, you know what, Pastor, I'm going to test you on that. Let me go eat, drink, and be merry, and then I'll come back to you and tell you if it was satisfying. It might, I'm not saying it won't be fun. I'm talking about your soul. The satisfaction is fleeting because God didn't make us for that. That's what Jesus is telling us through this story. You can live that life and you'll be applauded. Right? You, won't, you won't be treated like some other things. You won't be looked down upon. A lot of our culture will lift you up. And Jesus said, you can do that. And something will be gnawing at your soul because I didn't make you for that. There's a purpose. There's a treasure like we talked about last week. And here's where we can get twisted. Right here, Here's where I got to make sure I do my job. Because so often we can just... Don't build bigger barns. Don't live for yourself. Don't eat, drink, and be merry. Don't, 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 don't. But if we don't tell you what you get instead, then it just feels like, well, man, God really doesn't want me to have fun. That's not God. All right, I always go back to the same thing. If you're like, how do you know God is a God of fun? He invented sex. End of story. Right? And if you're uncomfortable with that statement, then you need to get out of your own head and get into Scripture. God's a pro-sex God. He came up with it, and he chose for it to feel and be like it is. That's my God. Amen? Right? So he's a God who loves you, and he wants, he wants you to do well. He wants to bless. That doesn't always mean financial, but he wants to bless. So when he says, no, don't, it has to come with the replacement of how good living the life he called you to do is, which is this father who sees you as a son or daughter. We are a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement who's built on the gospel that you were rescued and adopted into his family. He wants you to know him, to be tight with him, to walk with him, to be poured into. There's nothing more amazing than feeling the love of God poured into you. To know you're going to wake up tomorrow and be walking with this same God. There's nothing you can do to outrun his relentless love that he purposed and planned and designed you to be adopted into his family, to serve him, to love humanity through your life, your words, your gifts, your family, your resources. Oh, it's so good. Don't hear. Hey, don't be materialistic because it's bad. And then, well, what? There's a we got to add to that then the what we do instead of that, which is where he's going to take us uh, uh, next week as we end this series. But I wanted to let's share you, this wasn't originally part of, you know, we, when we plan out our message and what we're going to talk about from Scripture. But I was going through Hebrews in my own just personal time, still am with God, excuse me, and I'm in Hebrews, I was in Hebrews 10, and, and it wasn't talking about money or any of this. It was talking about suffering. And the author of Hebrews was talking to these people that the letter's written to, and we believe God could speak at the same time both to those people in the first century and to us 2,000 years later. Like, his Holy Spirit was able to pull that off. And he's talking to them about 
how they've suffered well, and they've suffered with people and for people. And, and then this verse just jumped off the page, Hebrews 10, 34. He says, you suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you, yourself, you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Now, the context here is they're being persecuted because they're Christians. Like you did not, you, I know you got worries today. Nobody had to wander on their way to church. Man, may I, may I get pulled over and imprisoned for declaring faith in Jesus? Right, of all the things we've got going on, that's not one of them. He's writing to a group of people. It was dangerous to declare or to gather and meet like we're doing right now. And something, we don't know the whole story, something had gone down where because of their love for Jesus, oppressive government or oppressive people had come in and they had imprisoned and they had beaten in some cases. And here he lets us know that they had confiscated, they had taken these church people, these Christians, property. And when I'm reading this a few weeks ago, I know this series that's coming and it just, like I put myself in the text like we teach you to do. Like if somebody took my place to live, we just moved a few months ago, we love our new house, new to us, and, and if somebody, because I'm a Christian and whatever went down in the world, and they took my property, joyful is not the first word that came to my mind. Is this real or is it not real? Like are these a fair, now these are real people. It doesn't mean, now don't read that and be like, they were skipping around. Woo, they took my house. What'd they take of yours? That's awesome. They weren't happy, right? I'm sure they were hurt and grieved, but they had joy, something that nobody can take. If the market's up, if the market's down, if the job's good, if there is no job, there's something that nobody can take. And these people that went before us, they joyfully, like, take what you're going to take. Why? It tells us why. Because they knew they had something better. The exchange, we talk about exchange rate, the exchange of, I don't want you to take my house, I don't want that to happen, but if it does, I got something waiting on me that's eternal. Why would you trade forever for a good day or a good decade of stuff that does not last? So Jesus just set this dude up. He made up a dude, doing well, tearing down barns, building bigger ones, eat, drink, relax, be merry. And then he ends that section with God's response. Right? And if this response surprises you, then, then that, that's just an indication of how our culture has kind of messed us up of who God is. Here's what God, verse 20, but God said to him, fool. That's harsh. Fool. All he did was tear down his barns and build bigger ones. Fool. Why? This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? You spent your whole life gaining more stuff and building a place to keep it all, and you have no idea that tonight's your last night on this earth. You fool. All the stuff that you spent your life attaining doesn't go with you. You know the old joke, you never see a purse, pulling a U-Haul, right? Because you don't take your stuff with you. It's, it's true. If you don't take it with you, then why would we spend our mental, physical, spiritual energy trying to get more of something that doesn't last? 
Now, I've heard people say, and I think they mean it, and I think it's a good heart behind it. They say, listen, I'm, I'm attaining, and I'm going to get, but it's not for me. It's for my family. So when I go, yes, I can't take it with me, but I can leave it for my family. And, and there's some biblical good about being responsible and, and blessing your family after you're gone, right? So that, that God would be with that to a point. But we also know, like, go study in our society. The more kids are left with financially, the happier they are. No. The more messed up they are in a lot of ways. The more privileged and entitled the generation becomes, the more other things come into play with that. So, but, but that's not what you're talking about. You say, I'm going to build. So there's, there's something, okay, we'll give you that. You can, you can go and gain. But that's the, the point is, what's your treasure going to last week? Where's your heart? If you're chasing money, even if your goal in life is to bless your family after you're gone, what a waste. Because your family's not going to be here forever either. Wouldn't you want to give them the one thing that's going to matter in this life and the next instead of pulling all your time and attention and energy into the thing that doesn't go with us? There is no exchange rate, right? There is no, you don't exchange your American dollars for heaven dollars. Here's how Jesus ended. After he told that story, he looked at the crowd, he said this, verse 21. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It didn't say, if you're rich, you're condemned. He said, if you're not rich toward God and you lay up treasure for yourself, it's foolish. It has no, nothing to do with how much money you have. It's an attitude of what you're about, what you're really living for. Here, here's what we believe about money. Scripture doesn't say it this way, but it teaches this in several ways. It's the way I like to remember it. God wants to get something through me more than he wants to get something to me. Meaning... When you get to that place where you got clothes on your back and you got food to eat, that extra, often part of the purpose of the extra is to bless someone else. And I think, like I said, it's really important to understand what it means to be rich towards God, right? So some of you grew up in a church background where this is the part of the service we pass the plate Right? We yell and we preach and we make you laugh a little bit. We show a funny video and then we pass the plate. And if it goes well, we can go home. If it doesn't, we might sing a song and pass another plate until you get the picture. We never pass the plate in Relentless Church. Today will not be the first day. We don't do that. We just thought when we started the church, you know, we're trying to reach untold, unconvinced. One of the biggest issues for people that are negative on church is they just want my money. So we just said, we're just not going to, we, we can pay for uh, the ministry of the church. Um, in fact, when we planted the church in 2014, it was already like people don't carry cash and checks like they used to, So, um, which has been such a blessing in the pandemic. Uh, almost all of our money comes through online giving, um, which is possible even when we weren't meeting in person. Uh, then there are boxes in the back, but we're not ending this with, with an offering because being rich toward God, it can, it can include that, but it's so much bigger than what you give to church. So we're going to actually break that down next week of, hey, I know what not to do. I'm not supposed to build bigger barn, but like, what, what, you got to replace it. So it deserves its whole week. What does it mean to be rich toward God? Whatever financial situation you're in. So we're going to end the series with that, but I'll, I'll end today with just giving you an example. All right, 30-some families, 35 or so families um, are going to receive, receive backpacks 
from our backpack drive that we just finished. And if you didn't get in on that, again, we'll have some more stuff to bless Honduras, our, our kids in Honduras and, and uh, Christmas and Angel Tree and all the stuff that we do. But you think, you know what? That's, that's cool. We gave some backpacks and we got some school supplies. That makes us feel good. But I mean, that's in the grand scheme of the needs of the world, that's, that's kind of small. We don't believe that. We don't believe in that word, small. When you sacrifice, when you take the time to shop or online or however you did it, like God sees that and blesses that. That is a perfect example of being rich toward God. And I guarantee you it doesn't feel small when in a couple of weeks when these backpacks are delivered and there is a single mom, not across the world and on the commercial, there's a single mom that might live two miles from your house or less. There's a single mom that, yes, their kid's going to go to school, and yes, they have a backpack, but it's the same backpack they've had the last four years. And they know how kids are, and they know on the first day of school, their kid's probably going to get made fun of for the clothes, for what they don't have, and for the backpack that they've been having every year. And when a new, fresh backpack shows up, not empty, but with all kinds of goodies and school supplies that they just would not have been able to afford at this time and place, I guarantee you it's not small. And if we're so busy counting our own crops and building new barns, we never see the needs all around us. And you don't have to wait for the church initiatives to do this at Lincoln Heights. There are people in your life, if you'll open your eyes, that God will call you to invest. And sometimes that's money and stuff, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just loving somebody in a different way. But that's what we're about. That's what we're learning to do together. That's what fills us. That's what makes our soul like, this is why I'm here. That's what it's about. But what gets in the way? If we're just trying to get rich, we fall into all kinds of senseless temptations and it plunges us to ruin and destruction. Jesus said, life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Let's not be fools that live our lives like this is it. Instead, let's embrace the beauty and the joy of being rich towards our good God. It's countercultural, but if we're not countercultural, then we're not Jesus people, right? He was countercultural at every turn. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray this over us as God teaches them to take this into the week ahead. Father, I thank you for those that are here in the room. I thank you those that are online. God, we do thank you for your blessing. Help us never be ashamed that you've blessed. But God, help us be the stewards, the responsible owners and managers of what you've given. Help us not be so short-sighted to live for something that's not going to last. Help us not be fools that just get stuff for us and then it's over so quick. God, help us learn to be rich towards you. Help us believe that life is not about the abundance of our possessions. Help us not fall into the trap of living for stuff or money. And help us bless others even today, even this week. I pray you bring us back, God, to uh, finish this off strong next week. And we pray and go now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope to see you next week, church.